Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. Congratulate real estate mindset. If the YouTube comment section is correct, uh, according to a commenter named so- Sony Crackbeat, real estate mindset has recently gone into contract, if not already closed on a single family home purchase. Again, on this channel, what do we talk about? We talk about buy box, doing the work, figuring out average, and yes, when somebody gets a deal, we want to celebrate it. So again, I want to remind all of you that we should all be like real estate mindset. This is what I think he did. And it is wonderful. And it should be encouraged. Near as I can tell, real estate mindset had a buy box. He may call it a zip code. He may call it a product, a, a, a type of property. But regardless, I am confident to say that real estate mindset had a buy box. I am also confident in saying that he looked at this buy box or area or zip code or whatever he wants to call it daily. I believe that is something that he did. Then as you look at your buy box daily, you learn the market. You learn what's overpriced, you learn what average is, and you learn what a deal is. That is what I encourage, that is what I require, that is what gets you out of the parking lot and into the stands. Then, I don't know this, but I'm gonna wild ass guess it, he probably wrote many offers. Many of his offers were declined or didn't go through. But again, if YouTube comment section is correct, he finally got a, um, a deal accepted. And again, I want to congratulate him. He did the work. He got a deal. I hope he got a great deal. And let's remember, for all the pomp and circumstance of YouTube University or YouTube or social media, Real Estate Mindset has a family and the right decision for him and his family was to buy a home. We should encourage that. I will close this session with some personal thoughts, but I want to leave that here because again, I would be a hypocrite and I am not a hypocrite. If you do the work, if you're consistent, you understand average and you get a great deal, we should be celebrated. And if I knew real estate mindset's address, which I'm sure I never will, I would send him one of these because that's what this channel is about. Now, A little bit about Saks Realty. I understand Saks Realty had a debate about the housing market yesterday. 50 or 60 of you told me about it. So what I would ask Saks Realty or maybe any channel out there is if you want to have a housing debate, you probably shouldn't bring everybody from one side. For example, if you were going to ask folks today who the best football team is in America, you probably wouldn't go to the San Francisco 49ers season ticket holders and ask them what they thought. 
when you have a debate and you have all San Francisco 49er season ticket holders, what do you think they are going to say? They are going to say wild and crazy and disrespectful things. They are not going to give your audience actionable information. They are not going to give your audience thoughts. They're going to say the same things, crack the same stupid jokes, and you are going to keep people in the parking lot. If that's your goal, by all means. But I believe Saks Realty really wants to have an open debate, and I suggest, again, as an analogy, don't pick San Francisco 49ers season ticket holders and ask them who the best team is. That's probably not the best way to go about it. Next, let's talk about the cost of the debt ceiling. You knew this was coming, right? Again, we've already hit the, the debt ceiling. We're taking extraordinary measures, blah, 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 blah. Early June. I think it was June 4th or maybe June 6th. Anyways, early June. That's when bad stuff could happen. Between today, January, and June, it's going to be a lot of noise. But thankfully, Mark Zandi uh, has gone out, chief economist at Mooney's, Moody's Analytics, he has gone out and tried to frame up the cost of the debt ceiling, right? The cost of not doing the debt ceiling. One, uh, we will have a shocking rise in unemployment. According to Mark Zandi, unemployment would spike to 7% almost immediately. He says we would lose 6 million jobs. Again, these are Mark's opinions. I will give you mine in a moment. He thinks that the households, you and me, would lose a collective $12 trillion. And then finally, the U.S. GDP would take a 4% hit, and clearly we would be in a recession. All kinds of bad things, all, all things. Now, I want you to remember, right, I've, I've highlighted for this over the last uh, maybe three weeks, four weeks, we had a very close call and I think it was 2011. It is actually when the U.S. debt rating went from AAA to AA. So I think there are some things that we can count on. I think Mark paints a very scary picture. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying it's out there. What can we count on? What could we count on? Well, in 2011, the stock market fell roughly 20% as the craziness of the debt ceiling drama unfolded. So we could count on pain in the stock market. Second, interest rates. Don't you think they would have to go up if we don't raise our debt limit and we are seen now as a country that goes from AAA to AA and whatever else happens next? I think it's fair to say that rates would go up. And again, in an environment where rates go up, again, companies can't refi debt, they can't get out, we could certainly see unemployment rise. So it's not fun. It's, it's not a good outcome. So again, lots to be done, lots of noise, lots of pop and circumstance between now and June. Hold on, it will get increasingly chaotic in the months to come. Earnings and pain in software. Wow. So we got Microsoft earnings yesterday. Uh, they beat on earnings a slight miss on revenue, but their conference call, their forecast, is exactly what I've been highlighting coming to software, right? I spent 20 years in software. 
and it is uh, going to be a very hard year. We are going to see people reduce buying software. They are going to reduce seats. They are going to grind on maintenance costs. They are going to consolidate. It is going to be an utter mess. Microsoft says large organizations are, quote unquote, optimizing their spend. Read counting seats, reducing seats, reducing maintenance, not buying more software. It is going to be a horrible time, a difficult time, the hardest time in the last 20 years to sell software. Next, Boeing. Boeing missed top, missed bottom, even as demand picks up. Boeing blames labor and supply shortages. We still have big companies blaming labor and supply shortages. And then finally, F5. F5 is a company I have not followed a lot, but they were interesting because they are in the security software space. In software, in my opinion, the last area to see cuts or drama will be security. Everybody's afraid of being hacked. You know, whether it's just, it's bad, right? Software is the place, security software is the place to be if you can be there. They missed revenue, missed earnings, and gave a weak forecast. So yes, even these software security companies are acknowledging that sales cycles are taking longer, seat discussions are taking longer, renewals, all of that pain. It is not, not going to be good in the software space. Hence, Salesforce could really have some interesting pain going forward, like all of the cloud companies. Next, Goldman Sachs. I love this one. Shout out Lance Lambert, Fortune Editor and our Thursday guest. He is a wonderful follow on Twitter. I think it's News Lambert. Give him a follow. Tell him you came from one rental at a time. He posted yesterday the first of what I think will be many analysts revising up their housing forecast. Remember, I gave you my 12 crazy housing predictions. One of them was that John Burns Real Estate Consulting would cut their crash scenario from 22% to 10% by May. When I had that discussion with you, I said the analysts got too negative. They had too much group think they were competing to go one way. Goldman Sachs is the first large housing forecaster to increase their housing forecast. What they did is they took it from, I want to be right here, negative uh, 2.6, and they have now said it will only be negative 0.6. Now, the change is minimal, but it is exactly what I told you would come. I stood here in early January and made my 12 calls, and I said, these analysts don't get it. They are not in the market every day like you and me, and most of them will up their forecast because they don't understand what is going on at the ground level. And I called out John Burns because an organization that I respect, I interview anytime I can get them, they are awesome. But in the instance of calling a 22% crash, I believe they are just wrong, and they will correct that by May. Let's see. And again, that's 22% national. So again, that was what I had heartache over. So Goldman Sachs is the first. Goldman Sachs also said, I want to make sure I get this right, there are four cities 
four cities that will crash 25%. There are four cities that will crash like 2008. Do you want to guess what those four are? If you are watching this on replay, do yourself a favor, hit pause and take a wild guess. Guess what four cities Goldman Sachs thinks will fall 25%. If you're watching this live, take a shot. I'll give you a few seconds. The answer, San Jose, California, Silicon Valley, tech heaven. You've heard me talk about it. Pain is coming. San Diego, Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas, 25%. Wow. And finally, Phoenix, Arizona. If I had to guess, I probably would have gotten two out of the four. I would have guessed Phoenix and San Jose. I don't think I would have guessed San Diego uh, and Austin, Texas. But let me know how you did. Uh, if you got all four, congratulations. Let's talk about the pain in real estate. Uh, there is a video that came out yesterday, I think at six o'clock with Omar in Southern California. And one comes out at 9 a.m. this morning with Beth in Seattle. And we went in and we identified where all the pain is. And at least in those markets, in the conversations I have had, the pain is consistent. The pain is in luxury. We are seeing the luxury market like in Southern California where um, Omar is having 12 months of supply. Where the first time home buyer, the entry level home is sub two months. Think about that. Think about that. And again, we are operating in an environment where interest rates are down 1.3% and perhaps falling further. What do we think is going to happen? Luxury is a want, not a need. Luxury is going to be dead all year. If you happen to be shopping for a luxury home, congratulations. This could be the best time ever to buy a luxury home. Now this includes second homes, lake homes, anything like that. But first time entry level, still moving. All of you are telling me it, it's still moving. All these housing stats and inventory stats are, are dislocated. We have a frozen part of the market and relatively speaking, a hot part of the market. In fact, Beth told us at the entry level, bidding wars are back. How's that feel? Bidding wars are back. That feels kind of uncomfortable. At least it does for me. So let's talk about inventory. Something else we are seeing. I got this, I believe, from uh, Lance Lambert again. It was on Twitter. It may not have been Lance. It may have been John Wake. I read a lot of stuff, so sometimes I get it all messed up. Anyways, there are three cities with increased inventory that have increased inventory the most. And again, these could be problem cities. Number one, San Francisco. You have heard me talk about San Francisco being a disaster. It is not getting better. It is going to be ugly, ugly, ugly. But even San Francisco, once it gets to the bottom, which we are not there, there will be lots of ways to make money. There are going to be people that make millions, tens of millions, and yes, maybe even hundreds of millions of dollars in San Francisco. But it's got a bottom first and we are not even close. Then we have, shockingly, Austin, Texas and Dallas, Texas. San Francisco, just to have the numbers, is up 6.21%. This is all since January 1st. 
So in three weeks, active listings in uh, San Francisco up 6.2, Austin up 5.4, and Dallas up 5.1%. So again, inventory is rising across the board. So again, folks, let me close with this. I want to go back to Saks Realty and real estate mindset. So again, we'll start with Saks Realty. If you're going to have a debate about housing, let's have a debate about housing. Let's get both sides and let's see if we can meet in the middle. Maybe there are things that we see differently that would be an interesting discussion. Certainly the audience would benefit from something like that. Again, I think that's a reasonable request for all of us. Two, for Saks Realty, I know it is hard to be a moderator of a call. I understand that. For example, yesterday, in one of my videos, my good friends, my ride or die, said that crash bros are lying. And you saw me defend them. As the moderator, you should not allow disrespectful things to be said. You're the moderator, it is your channel, you are letting those things happen. You should call that stuff out. This is an environment where we should encourage and help others. Taking pot shots, being disrespectful, should not be allowed. You are the moderator in this debate. You let someone take disrespectful shots, and that, in my opinion, is not okay. You owe some folks an apology as the moderator. Now for real estate mindset. Real estate mindset, um, I want to, I just, we, we just need to have a real discussion. Again, as I opened, I want all of us to repeat exactly what he did. He had a buy box. He looked at it every day. He understood a good deal. He wrote great offers and he's closing on a home. That is awesome. But dude, if you want to take shots at somebody and still not say the channel right and call his friends names, I want to say the following things. Between you and I, only one of us has had a foreclosure. To call somebody foreclo one foreclosure at a time, I want you to understand only one of us has had a foreclosure, and it's not me. Two, only one of us is respectful enough to say the other channel's name clearly and concisely, instead of going for the easy laugh and being dis disrespectful. Only one of us is a trained and licensed mortgage broker who should have understood the toxicity in NEG-AM loans that ultimately led to a foreclosure, and one of us didn't, and one of us not. Only one of us had homes and sold at the peak of 06 and 07, while the other one went through foreclosure. Two, only one of us was in the position to buy during the crash, to raise millions of dollars in private money and grow a portfolio, while the other couldn't buy a home. And then finally, only one of us lost our job, had to become a debt collector, call families in stress, and grind them and push them to pay their debts. And the other one didn't. I will let the audience decide who is who in that scenario. Folks, again, remember, 
Be like real estate mindset. Do the work, get a buy box, look every day, write great offers, and close a deal. And Travis, if you want one of these cards, just send me an address and I will mail you one. Thanks everyone, take care, bye.